0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Sometimes they're calling just to report that they've seen a wild animal and they're concerned because they're worried that it needs to be, you know, taken to the wild. Uh, Sometimes they call because they find a baby animal that that they think needs help. We we are not there 24-7. We're there really early in the morning until pretty late at night a lot of times, but we have a, an answering service that actually will give you a lot of this common information. You can hit a button that says you found a fawn, and it will basically tell you the information that I just gave you now. Wow,
1: you, are, or, you know yeah.
0: exactly what people are going to be calling about at this point.
1: We do. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last year was an especially busy one for the Wildlife Rescue Center in Baldwin. It cared for some 3,500 creatures. That's with a staff of just seven, along with an army of volunteers, everyone helping as best they could, even while keeping themselves as safe as they could from COVID-19. And joining us today to share more is Kim Rutledge. She is the Executive Director of the Wildlife Rescue Center that's right here in Baldwin. Kim, welcome.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: So 3,500 creatures certainly sounds like a lot. Put that in perspective for us. How many animals does the Wildlife Rescue Center help in a typical year?
0: Um, 3,500 is definitely a lot. Uh, we've kind of slowly been creeping up in number over the past uh, five or six years, but took about a 15% jump last year. So for a long time, we would say we helped around 2,500 and then it creeped up to 3,000 and then last year was the first time that we we went over that 3500 mark and and do you Um, have any
1: theory on what might have been driving that last year
0: we have lots of theories of course it's been a a topic of, of conversation because we didn't really know what to expect we thought it was possible that with people staying home maybe we would see less encounters and interactions with wildlife which is typically what send them to the wildlife rescue center if they're injured or orphaned or sick Um, and now kind of the working theory is is possibly because people were home more they perhaps were in their yards and encountering animals um it also kind of it feels good to help wildlife so in a time when when people were super stressed out I don't it could be possible that people you know really were going out of their way to try to be good Samaritans when they Hmm. could.
1: Well so you guys were ready to handle this but that did not come without complications for you I mean so many businesses just shut down entirely or had to curtail their hours so people weren't there at the same time as each other it sounds like you weren't able to do that
0: we <coughs> we were we actually were in the midst of gearing up the work that we do is very seasonal when when wildlife are out and about they're you know getting into trouble so when we have active wildlife in the spring and the summer that's when we see the most animals and of course also during baby season as we call it so when animals are breeding and having babies then our uh, it gets much much busier at the center so just before the the stay-at-home order went into effect actually just days before we were having our annual baby season kickoff meetings as Mm. we call them with our army of volunteers Um, it happened just at the end of the week prior to the stay-at-home order and once we you know we were keeping up with with what was happening keeping track of what we needed to do to be safe and really over the course of a weekend We managed to communicate with our our group of volunteers to get everybody's availability, find out if we had people that could do multiple shifts, and we completely changed the way that we operate so that we could have isolated groups and teams that didn't come into contact with each other. So we had people coming in earlier in the morning, leaving midday. We had a time when no one was in the building and things were disinfected. The evening team would come in, disinfect again, and then continue and to care for animals disinfect before they leave before they left so we had five isolated teams and so our our small staff and lots of our volunteers we never we haven't seen each other for a year and just recently um now that we've we've got some folks who are vaccinated and we're able to be in the same spaces but we operated um in those teams to help keep everybody safe
1: That took some coordination. Good for you guys. I'm very impressed. I understand you have 70 volunteers. That's a lot of people to figure out what moves where and, and when. Rose to the challenge here. Tell us about this challenge. What kind of animals are you dealing with most frequently?
0: Sure. So we rely on members of the public and other um, government and non-government organizations. When when they come across an animal they think needs help, they contact us, we help them determine if they do. So we're talking about wildlife that are the, the common wildlife that we see every day in our backyards. So small mammals like cottontail rabbits, um, gray squirrels, possums, uh, mallard ducks and Canada geese, and box turtles, things like that. We, we see those in very, very large numbers. We do, of course, get occasional um, animals that are a little less, less common to see. We do see quite a few red foxes, um, gray foxes, bobcats occasionally. We've bobcats. even had a, a badger actually at one point in time. So every, all the wildlife that you see outside just about, we treat um, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and water birds. So we, we stay quite, quite busy.
1: You've said that the patients that don't have to come in are the best stories. What do you mean by that?
0: Absolutely. So we we do admit about about 3,500 seems to be where we're trending for this year as well. Um, But that represents only about 10% of the calls that we receive. We field thousands of phone calls, hundreds of phone calls a day in the busy season right now, especially um, in May. And people call us sometimes they're calling just to report that they've seen a wild animal and they're concerned because they're worried that it needs to be you know, taken to the wild. Uh, sometimes they call because they find a baby animal that they that they think needs help. And so we talk through all of these situations to explain that, you know, seeing a red fox in your yard in a, in a suburban area, not uncommon. That's so cool that you get to see that. And it's nice to to talk to folks and they're like, oh, I can be excited about this. I don't need to be worried about this animal living here. It's an indication that I, I live in a, in a healthy ecosystem. Or right now, especially, we get a lot of phone calls about people coming across white-tailed deer fawns and part of their survival mechanism is that when when these babies are born they are they're not strong enough to follow mom around while she eats enough leaves to feed herself and make food for her baby so these fawns when they're under two weeks old know instinctively to just lie still and wait for mom and in areas like st. Louis County sometimes they're lying still in an area where they're pretty they're uh kind of just out in the open sometimes on people's porches definitely lots of fawns in yards And when you come across one of these babies you can't help but feel like uh, i at least need to make sure it's okay a lot of people call us and they're like i think everything is fine but i just wanted to make sure it's lying still i haven't seen mom so we tell people that you know that is perfectly normal it's doing exactly what it's supposed to for those first two weeks mom's gonna leave those babies alone for up to 22 hours a day here's the things that you can look for you know but yeah, that Mostly, must be a huge relief,
1: you, knowing you know enough to be able to tell people mom's going to come back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's wonderful to get those emails with people saying she did come back or, you know, we reunited that baby and mom came and got it. So and that's so what you're like.
1: You're getting these calls. It sounds like you get so many calls on top of the thousands of animals we're talking about. Is this a 24-7 operation?
0: If I call at 2 in the morning when somebody comes onto my porch, someone's going to answer? We we are not there 24-7. We're there really early in the morning until pretty late at night a lot of times, but we have a, an answering service that actually will give you a lot of this common information. You can hit a button that says you found a fawn and it will basically tell you the information that I just gave you now. Wow, you,
1: are, or, you know yeah. exactly what people are gonna be calling about at this point.
0: We do, we do. We get a lot of these same things and most wildlife, everybody's got their babies, they have their babies at the same time. And we also, of course, have this information on our website. So we try to provide those resources because people need to you know call in and get that information at the same time that we may have 500 patients in our wildlife hospital that we have to take care of as well man this is
1: this is quite the operation here I think I mentioned earlier you've got 70 volunteers these people are just doing it for the love of animals is is there any special training before they can come and help
0: yeah absolutely we do everything on the job so um, it is just folks that uh, have an affinity for wildlife and, and and the environment and want want to help. Our volunteers do a lot of hands-on work, and it really is unique. It's with when you're working with wildlife, the goal is to you know treat these animals and get them back out into the wild so that they can do their job in the ecosystem. And it, it's very very rewarding. It's it's difficult. It's hard work. It's you know a lot of cleaning and things like that, but. there are a lot of people out there who really enjoy, you know, getting in, getting their hands dirty and making a difference.
1: I understand you yourself started as a volunteer. This is back when you were a pre-veterinary medicine student. Have you seen big changes in this organization since you first started dabbling on on Monday nights?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have seen big changes in the organization and also big changes in the field of wildlife rehabilitation. I had always been an animal lover and, and like you said was i was going to go into veterinary medicine and when i found a local wildlife rehabilitation organization i didn't even know about wildlife rehabilitation 20 years ago and it was um quite the experience i just absolutely fell in love with it it was there was so much need and so little known about it it was it was the first time that i thought about how little we really know about the animals in our own backyards as we grow up as animal lovers we have you know our favorite wildlife but it's usually something that's far away, something that is exotic to us. And I have seen wildlife rehabilitation grow and get a lot more recognition and I feel like now, especially compared to 20 years ago, the, people do sort of expect like there has to be a place where I can take you know this animal that's been you know injured by getting entangled in garbage or a, a box turtle that's been struck by a car. like there has to be somebody that can take care of them. And it requires a lot of knowledge. Like the, we, there's so many different species that it really is a, a study all its own.
1: And now people know to look for you. They're able to find you. You guys are able to help. What are you most excited about going forward? Now that this pandemic is is finally starting in in parts of this state, at least, to make a return to normalcy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're. We're very excited to uh be able to get out into the community again and and do outreach events and talk with people about what we do we're also very very excited about being able to bring on new volunteers Mm -hmm. we had to put that program on hold and we're fortunate that we had you know our 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 army of volunteers that stuck with us throughout this whole thing um but it really was a quite a process and and definitely took its toll and we miss not being able to bring on new people. We do that three times a year. So we're looking at, at being able to onboard some new volunteers in the next couple of months, and we're very excited about that.
1: Well, I'm happy to hear that, and it's just great to hear about the good work that you're doing. So uh, Kim Rutledge, Executive Director of the Wildlife Rescue Center, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
0: Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover
1: our show. Thank you.